You're listening to Branch Out by Sycamore. The satisfaction that you get, not only the intellectual satisfaction of creating something new and something powerful, but also the satisfaction that, oh my God, I'm making a difference for this community of patients or or this kind of diagnosis. That has a much bigger impact on the world overall. I'm Larson Hicks, CEO of Sycamore, and welcome to Branch Out, where I chat with healthcare professionals about broad-reaching topics like their careers in medicine, hobbies and pursuits outside the hospital, and everything in between. Hello and welcome to Sycamore's Branch Out podcast. This is Larson Hicks, uh, the CEO of Sycamore, and I'm joined today by Dr. Yuli Chetapali. Um, who is a award-winning researcher, uh, speaker, author, and um, and pioneer, really specializing in healthcare technology and innovation. Um, Dr. Chetapali is the founder and the president of Innovator MD, which is the world's largest physician innovation company. Um, we're really excited to have him on the show, and uh, and appreciate uh, the opportunity to to pick your brain, your brain and hear your story. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, Larson. It's a pleasure uh, you know, always to talk about uh, physician innovation and especially what you're doing is is interesting. Awesome. Well, um, so so just kind of a backup um, uh, you know, before we we dive into the the conversation, just to just to orient you, uh, Dr. Chetapali, and and the audience on why we're doing this podcast, we're um, Sycamore is a is a company um, that is really interested in physician independence, physician autonomy, trying to help um, steer physicians towards um, really branching out, doing their own thing, and helping uh, build the future of healthcare. We think that um, the future of healthcare needs to be built by physicians, or else um, it'll continue to um, to be plagued by a lot of the problems that we're seeing today. And so we don't have a whole lot of hope in a centralized or top-down you know, solution um, uh, for for healthcare. It really, really needs to be driven by physicians. And so part of the way that we think that's possible is physicians unplugging, so to speak, from the matrix um, and having uh, building some independence into the way they practice, um, which which looks like you starting your own business, finding a side hustle. Um, even doing locum tenens as an independent doctor versus an employed doctor. There's a lot of different ways to approach this, but um, but that's our that's our interest in doing this. And so we love having um, folks like you, physicians like you, who have who have uh, been successful in branching out and innovating, uh, come on the show and tell us your story because we're we're hoping that uh, other physicians who hear this will themselves be inspired uh, to go out and do something and and start to. Um, Make healthcare better. Um, so that's kind of the uh, that's kind of the elevator pitch uh, behind uh, the Branch Out podcast. Great, uh, you know, Larson. I think uh, our missions uh, definitely coincide, and uh, there's definite parallels here uh, because you know what yes. we are trying to do in, at Innovator MD is uh, also bringing physicians, you know, much you know much bigger opportunities and showcasing their work as innovators yeah. and as the leaders in healthcare. Yeah. Uh, that's what we try to do. Yep. 
Yes. That's um, awesome. So, so I'd love to kind of start, um, Dr. Chetapali by, by just digging in a little bit into your own story before we kind of get into everything. You're an emergency physician today. Um, and, and, uh, and I, I heard that you, um, you recently hung up your, your stethoscope after about, was it about 30 years or so? 30 years. Exactly. So, yeah, wow. you know, that's awesome. When I trained uh, as an emergency physician, I loved the flexibility of being an emergency physician because, you know, you can dictate sure. your own schedule and, and, and kind of create the work life balance that, uh, you, you would want to. And so that was amazing right. for me. Um, but as I, you know, had 30 years of experience, I started seeing, especially living in Silicon Valley, I started seeing that Physicians are falling behind as far as innovation is concerned. Mm. They are becoming more of the uh, of the cogs in the wheel rather than, you know, the center mm. of the wheel uh, as they should be. Mm. Because, you know, if you think about physicians' knowledge and their influence, you know, they are the center of healthcare. You know, they are, you know, totally. they are what should be at the forefront of, of, of creating and driving, you know, innovation and entrepreneurship, whereas now they are falling behind. Yes. So our mission is to bring those physicians onto this platform and showcase their work, showcase what they're working on, interesting, mm. interesting startups, interesting projects, and help them support, create this community of support where we can bring in, you know, uh, other people who are working in the same space, maybe a, a co-founder, maybe an investor, maybe a potential customer, or maybe an advisor or a mentor yeah. uh, for these physicians. And that's the main goal for Innovator MD. That's fantastic. Well, I, I, I know that what you're doing is incredibly valuable. I think that, um, I think it's easy for folks to, uh, to, to think that it's possible uh, in entrepreneurship to kind of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But it, it's a, it's a, it, it, you know, there, there's not a, there aren't very many successful businesses out there who haven't had a, a healthy um, network of mentors and advisors and, and uh, investors and, um, and partners. So um, there's no doubt that it's, it's valuable. Um, and I think the fact that your, your, um, network is focused on physicians, um, in healthcare. I mean, that's a, that's a very, um, it's a very niche, uh, thing. And, and, and I imagine it, it also comes with, with an ethos. I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a lot of people who'd like to make money in healthcare. Um, but there's, there's probably a pretty big difference between, um, the kind of innovation, quote unquote, innovation that comes into healthcare through, um, you know, your typical, uh, venture capital or, or, um, you know, entrepreneurs and, and the kind of innovation that comes from physicians who are, who are really down in the weeds and, and, uh, and have a real vested interest. Um, ha have you seen that? Have you seen that, that there's a, there's a, a, a different kind of focus, um, on, on the kinds of products exactly. and services and, tools that that physicians are creating uh than than those that because i guess the thing that i would suspect um and, and you know i i go to a lot of these conferences you know trade shows and things in our in our world and you in the in the um you know the trade room you know the ex exhibition hall is just filled with you know 
look, I'm a capitalist. I'm I'm excited to see people, you know, out there making money and and figuring out ways to do it. But it it feels like those trade room floors, more often than not, are filled with all of the bloat in <laughs> in healthcare. A lot of the exactly the the the, the parasites or or the uh, <laughs> the rent seekers. You know exactly. Exactly. You know, if you think about physicians, you know, there are several qualities that physicians have that the other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs may not have. You know, number one, they okay. are dedicated individuals. You know, to become a physician mm-hmm. and, and spending, you know, 30 plus years of your life uh, to this one focus of Absolutely. serving patients, you know, that takes a lot of dedication. Number two, these yeah. are very smart individuals, right? You know, these are the cream of the crop. You know, you don't, you know, no, nobody just thinks about going to medical school just like that. You know, you have to have several things yeah, there certainly. to make them successful. Number three is that they have grit, uh, which is very important in, in when it comes to innovation, because you are going to see a lot of failures, a lot of setbacks, you know, hitting the brick wall. Um, and so you need somebody with yep. grit to be able to do that. And the fourth thing is physicians yep. see problems firsthand. You know, it's easy for people from mm-hmm. the outside, they see problems, but people who are on the inside, they see problems in a different way because they are going through that every day in their practice, in their hospitals, you know, in their networks. And so when they come up with solutions, they are unique solutions and because they understand the problem yeah. very deeply and so their solutions are also very right. unique and that's what right. is different uh, so necessity, about solutions yeah so necessity is the mother of all invention right exactly. and and uh and but but there's also you know bureaucracy is also pretty good at invention <laughs> you know bureaucracy kind of sees a sees an opportunity to add uh, more cost and more layers and more inefficiency, a lot of times, yeah. Um, uh, and but I think that's driven by that's driven by money. That's driven by people outside who just see, hey, there's a lot of money in there. Let's try to get some of it. Yeah. Um, whereas I I imagine that the innovations that are coming from physicians uh, are driven by 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 necessity. You know, by them in the trenches seeing the problems firsthand. Exactly. I uh, th- there's a there's a I think you gave four things. Uh, was it four things that make physicians unique, or is it five? Oh, uh, <laughs> the fifth one is that you know. On oh, they- I know there's more, but your, your <laughs> list was four or five or something like that, right? Yeah, four. Well, the the other thing I would add to that, Doctor Chetapali, that that I think is related to I think the first the first one about just physicians being the cream of the crop is really their ability to learn. You know, to to acquire information, you know, uh, very quickly and put it into practice. That's not, that's a skill, you yeah. know, that, that's yeah. a skill that takes a lot of practice and, and physicians have been doing it, you know, since pre-med, you know, they've been, they've been learning how to exactly you know, cram for tests and, and, and go out and f- do research and, and figure things out very quickly. Yeah. And then putting into practice, right. You know, how do you take that knowledge right. And put it to practice and, and, and make sure it works. And if it doesn't work, you know, kind of change, pivot, you know, all of those things are natural for physicians. Yeah. I guess, you know, the, the, yeah. the main thing they need is, is, is just a little bit of help 
with knowledge and building that network and, and resources around that network. Yeah. And that's what Innovator MD does. I love it. Well, I'd like to, so maybe before we dive deeper on the, the, um, the entrepreneurship vein, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit about your personal story. So how, how did you decide you wanted to be a physician and can you tell us a little bit about that journey into, into emergency medicine and, and ultimately into, uh, into this innovation side? Sure. Sure. So I grew up in India and, uh, in India, you know, there are okay. mainly two big choices. You know, if you're a smart kid, you know, going to school, you know, either you become a doctor or an engineer. <laughs> so I was not that great with <laughs> <Nice>. math. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'm going to become okay. a doctor. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the, you know, the biology and, 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 and the health aspects of, of, yeah. uh, you know, the knowledge. And so I became a physician and I came here to the U S for higher studies. You know, I was recruited by, you know, as an NIH, uh, grantee, uh, for doing research in hypertension. Wow. And uh, when that happened, I was doing the work in hypertension and then, I came across other researchers who were doing uh, uh, work in shock and trauma, and that's how I got really interested mm-hmm. in emergency medicine. And so I did a, uh, an internship and, and residency in emergency medicine. While doing that, uh, my program also offered a, a master's in public health uh, at UCLA. And so I took epidemiology and, and, and started getting interested in population health, you know. You can treat one patient mm. at a time, but what if you could treat a population, a whole population of people? And that was very intriguing. Sure. And so that work um, brought me to Kaiser Permanente. As you know, Kaiser Permanente is a value-based system, and it was awesome, you know, because I could use my population mm. health knowledge. And this was around the time when, when electronic health records were becoming more popular. So my initial track um, was along the administration side. You know, I became the chairman of the department. It was all great, but you know, I was um, itching to do some research and 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 actually doing yeah, you know, doing justice to my education and my my uh, skill set that I've sure. developed. And so I switched gears into research, and that was when you know, EHRs became popular. And um, Kaiser, you know, was fully um, uh, uh, implemented their EHR and became paperless. And so we've already had four or five years of data that has been collecting in the EHRs. And so one of my main, uh, uh, well, work over there was how do you take this electronic data from the EHRs and convert that into knowledge and not only just sure. knowledge, but actionable knowledge that'll help physicians take care of patients. And that was the big project yeah. that I did there where we uh, built a network of physicians who are interested in research and built a, mm. a, a technology platform that would take data from the EHRs, analyze it, and provide decision support to the physicians. The physicians loved it. You know, 70% of the physicians used mm. it. And so we built several modules like chest pain, congestive heart failure, atrial fibrillation, so that it makes it easy for physicians um, to take care of patients. 
And so we saw some tremendous results from that, which is, you know, decreasing the number of uh, tests you order, decreasing the length of stay for emergency department patients, decrease in hospitalizations, and, and increase in the quality of the of the care that these patients got. And so it was an immediate huge success, and, you know, we implemented it in 21 emergency departments in Northern California. Wow. Had 14, 15 physician scientists working in the groups, de- developed several modules, published about 100 papers out of that work. And so right now, a million patients go through this system every year. And so it tracks every single patient to make sure that they're getting quality care. And, wow. and that's, that's where... So that is that the CREST... Crest is that the Crest network. network? Is that what that's called? Exactly. Yeah. I was wow. the co-founder of that network and the technology lead for That's the phenomenal. So that's what so, started. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm interested in, on that front, just, just talking about that really quickly. Um, it, it sounds to me like a product that if, if you're part of a value-based um you know, compensation structure than absolutely. Um, but to my understanding, most, most practices still aren't there yet, or the most of the reimbursement is still not there yet. So, so do you have, do you feel like you have, um, forces kind of in the industry who are pushing against what, what Crest does because they, they don't like, uh, they don't like what it means for, um, for reimbursements? Well, you know, what's happening is that, you know, you know, we are seeing a trend, although it's a very small trend towards value-based care. Mm-hmm. So most of the newer companies, yeah. they have to come up with newer business models. Um, you know, one of the right. big problems with value, you know, with uh, fee-for-service is that, you know, when you make money, when the patient is sick, that is not yeah. a reliable way of, 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 of extending your business for the long term, right? Eventually the costs keep going up and yeah. up and up and, and it can yeah. crash or it can, you know, you know, uh, become a, a hurdle for you to grow further, right? So right. you almost incentivize sickness, right? Exactly. And if you flip the business model, then okay, you know, you are incentivizing health. And so, especially mm-hmm. when you have to use technology. Now, you cannot develop a tool that says, oh, this technology will make your patient sicker and so, so that you make more money, right? That is right. a big hurdle why technology is getting stuck you know, in the current healthcare yeah. system. Because if your hmm. technology actually works, then it'll make patients healthy. And so if the business model does not match, then it's a problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But also, yeah. you know, there are areas where Technology is going to go where it is creating new science, new medical science, new data science, where it's going to, you know, improve outcomes for patients, where where it was not even possible uh, 10 years ago, right? You know, those, those kinds of technologies are coming. And um, I have a front row seat to watch those technologies that are, that are right now. Very nascent stage, but eventually, you know, five, ten years from now are going to grow into into significant companies. That's exciting. 
Yeah, it's it's um it's encouraging to hear you know that that kind of innovation is happening and and is working. Um, it's it's it feels like I, th- I think a lot of physicians and a lot of uh, you know ideological people like myself get get discouraged you know by by the perverse incentives you know in healthcare that um, that seem insurmountable you know in within the current system and it and it feels you know it's it's one reason why i think um there are people who are just exiting healthcare altogether um you know as as physicians who care about patient care uh who care about you know this calling to make people healthy and whole um who feel like yeah, these these incent- we're incentivized really f- for sick care. We're, we're incentivized to 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 kind of keep people on this hamster wheel. So it it not only affects the patients. Of course, you know, patients is our target audience. It, it affects right, patients' right. health, but it affects physicians' health, and that is yeah, that's right. I I compare this to a physician or a person being on a treadmill. Right, you're running, running mm-hmm. on a treadmill. Imagine if mm-hmm. somebody else is controlling the knobs on the treadmill. They can yeah. make the treadmill go faster. And so you have to go faster, yeah. but you don't have any control on yeah. the knobs. That's exactly what happens yeah. in, in fee-for-service, right? Oh, oh yeah, let's, yeah. Uh, let's make the visit 12 minutes. Oh, why not 10 minutes? Oh, let's make it five minutes. <laughs> Or right. let's uh, right. decrease your pay per visit. Oh, instead of you know thirty dollars, we'll make it you know twenty five dollars. Oh, why not ten dollars? And so that treadmill becomes yeah, faster, faster, and faster. And so physicians get burnt out, or they just fall That's right. face forward on the treadmill and they get hurt. And that is what is burnout right. that is happening, because that treadmill yeah, is not good- going to slow down. Because that's right. The people who are it's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. The, the people it's who a great are controlling analogy. the I, knobs. I really like that. <laughs> sorry. Mm-hmm. The people no, who no, are controlling fine. the yeah. knobs are not physicians, and so that is the that's right. scary part. Well, they're not only not physicians. You know, they haven't taken the Hippocratic oath. Um, they they themselves didn't personally feel called. You know, to um, to devote. You know. 10, 15 years of their life to, to getting this, this, um, very difficult to obtain, you know, license, um, to practice. Um, and and also they don't have the same kind of skin in the game that a physician does. You know, if a physician makes a mistake and fails that they could lose their livelihood, they could lose everything that they've worked their their life up into this point to 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 uh, obtain in the in the form of a, a medical license that could be revoked or suspended you know at, at at really it seems like for more and more arbitrary things almost you know and yeah. so so the the physicians really have a unique um stake in um in this uh this business of of healthcare that nobody else does and and the the analogy of the um the the treadmill um, that that wh- whose knobs are controlled by you know the um, the CEO of the hospital or or you know yeah. fill in the blank you know in- interest um, the they may want it to go faster and be more efficient more more profitable 
uh, but it's it's at the expense of the the providers, you know, the caregivers, and and really, um, the the while there's there's mid levels and nurse practice, you know, and, and 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 nurses who are all involved in in that equation, it's really the physician who has the most to lose, I think, and who ultimately the responsibility falls upon. And so it's not only, you know, I think the burnout from just the work, you know, and the higher and higher expectations, but I, I think also at some point in there, your conscience starts going, I don't think I, I don't think what I'm doing is good medicine anymore. You know, this doesn't feel yeah. right. Morally, this doesn't feel right. Um, and I think that's where that's where the, the burnout really starts to 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 have a big impact. Yeah. And and imagine, you know, let's say you are a specialist and and you do whatever tonsillectomies you know that's your bread and butter Mm -hmm. so you know if you think about it you know this physician has so much knowledge so much capacity but you're you're pushing it down to this one narrow space which is tonsillectomies or whatever appendectomies or you know history and physicals right they could do that in their sleep (laughs) And right. you have this whole brain that has the capacity to do amazing things. Think up, you know, of these amazing other solutions, but you're only using that very narrow space of their brain. Yeah, that is a danger. Yeah. Also, where physicians will feel that what they're doing becomes meaningless because there's this other mm-hmm. yeah. whole area of brain that they're not u- utilizing. That's right. And they don't have the time to do anything else. You know, they are you're just yeah. running 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 and then you don't have right. the capacity to think about more important things, right. bigger things, different things and that's, that's, that's right. there's a danger of that. Well, you you already met, used the metaphor of a cog, you know, physicians feeling like a cog in a machine and and I think what you're describing is exactly that. It's it's kind of the industrialization of healthcare and and healthcare unfortunately uh or fortunately, you know, is is um ultimately about a a physician and his or her patient. You know, it's a human interaction, it's a one-on-one interaction. Um, I just heard the quote, and I'm, I'm going to misquote it, but but um, Hippocrates saying something like, you know, um, it matters, it matters more what kind of person you're seeing uh, than um, than the and the, the problem that the person is presenting. Do you do you know what I'm? Uh, yeah, you yeah. probably know the quote exactly. But 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 there's something really profound about that um about that insight from hippocrates and uh and one of the one of the things about that 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 just doesn't even exist in in so much of today's healthcare system is well well you have to have time to get to know what kind of person a person is <laughs> right um that doesn't exist anymore it's become it, as people have become more and more specialized as the system itself has become more and more um, efficient, um, you, you have really taken the Henry Ford model of efficiency and pr- productivity and applied it to to what really is more of a a human, emotional, spiritual, you know, as well as f- physical um, uh, um, interaction. Yeah. And and I just don't think it works. Definitely, and you know, 
a lot of the physicians that that uh, join us at Innovator MD, you know, we see that. Wow, I didn't realize yeah. that there is this whole world of things that physicians are doing and are having yeah. fun at it, right? You know, one of the things yeah. is, you know, That's having awesome. fun is important in your work if you're not satisfied yeah, with good. what you're doing. And so what we provide at Innovator MD is, you know, we give this opportunity for physicians to see. The first thing is you see what's happening in the industry, right? You get the you get a front row seat to all the innovation that is happening. And the second thing is participate, you know, whether it is, you know, being an advisor to a company or being a mentor to a startup yeah. or being a, you know, a specialist who can guide some of these things in a startup, right? And the third thing yeah. is you slowly get yourself more involved. Either you become a, a, an angel investor, you know, this is this is small money. It's not big, you know, venture capitalist type sure. of money, right? You become an angel investor, investor to a startup that is early stage, or you become, you know, part of, you know, part-time chief medical officer, or part-time VP, sure. or, you know, some part-time type of work where you're getting your feet wet and you're getting your hands dirty. And, and so it depends on how much you want to get involved. When they when physicians do that, suddenly they realize, wow, there is so much that I can contribute to 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 the to the company, but also I can make a big difference in people's lives. You know, when you see patients, you're you're seeing one patient at a time, right? Now here there's a potential right. you can make a difference in, in hundreds, thousands, millions of patients' lives. Because yeah. this innovation can help so many people, and so that 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 feeling that you get, the satisfaction that you get, not only the intellectual satisfaction of creating something new and something powerful, but also the satisfaction that, oh my God, I'm making a difference for this community of patients or, or this kind of diagnosis. That is much bigger impact on the has a much bigger impact on the world. Um, overall awesome. and, and also your own satisfaction. Yeah, I think there's a there's a um a weird um yeah there there's a weird application of there's a weird reaction to burnout, to physician burnout that says, well you need to unplug and have work life balance and do something else. And I and I think you know what's typically implied there is pick take up a hobby and do you know go go cycling or you know ride a you know kayaking or, or or something right which of course there's great benefit to to doing those kinds of things um but i i, I think the um i think the the missed opportunity for folks who don't look at um sort of diversifying their time and energy exactly um uh, within medicine, you know, apply your knowledge and your passion for medicine. And, and, and yeah, you may feel like you don't have a voice, you know, in your day to day practice, you know, because you're just a cog in the machine. Um, take that energy, that, that excitement, that frustration, even that you might have and apply it towards building a solution, you know, building something that will make healthcare better. I think, I think a lot of, Physicians feel like, well, I just need to turn my medical side of my brain off and just go do something else. But I think they find 
a lot of release, um, you know, almost, and, and, uh, in, in going out and applying themselves to, uh, to something, uh, entrepreneurial. Yeah. So w what happens is, you know, like I said, you know, you're only using a small part of your brain. Yes, you can switch off right. your brain and, and, and do, you know, other things. But here, right. when you use this other part of the brain, you get excited about life. You get, yeah. you get enthused. Yeah. And in fact, you know, you may actually work more hours, but you, you feel energized. And so there's more a total switch. Yeah. Um, it, that happens when, when you find meaningful and, and, and interesting work. And that is important. Yeah, you know, sure. you know, it's not, it's yeah. not, it's not just, uh, you know, you know, on or off. It is more different right. and variety and, 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 and yeah. that makes life yeah. more interesting. Yeah. I totally believe that. And, and, and I think the other piece about it that, that's important is, you you get to put yourself into the shoes of of maybe the the folks that you've vilified or thought are the enemy and 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 kind of see force yourself to look at things through a business a lens of business and ask yourself some of those hard questions that maybe you know while while you're able to kind of comfortably sit in your seat as a physician and and throw you know stones at what everyone on the business side is doing you know, you, you may actually be able to 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 start to see why some of the things are the way they are and and uh and 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 that also probably helps with some degree uh, you know it's either good news or bad news you either find out wow this really is just completely driven by greed <laughs> it's terrible um or you go actually I, I i now appreciate the difficulty of that particular you know problem and uh, and the fact that it's not just financial that there's there's other dimensions to it that that you don't see unless you're yeah you're uh, in in that kind of position of, of leadership in a business so so here is what I did you know the first few years I just organized meetings you know I organized yeah. uh, you know um, through through society of physician entrepreneurs I I um, founded the the San Francisco Bay Area chapter here and I just organized okay. monthly meetings and brought startups brought um, experts, speakers, you know, together yeah. and just learned, listen and learn, right? That's the first stage. And the second stage, what I started doing was I was looking at a lot of, so because of this position, I see, you know, 150, 200 startups a year that come to me. And so you That's get awesome. to, you get to actually you know, look under the hood, you know, see what's happening. How are they doing it? And then when I see something really interesting, I, I, you know, put myself out there saying that, Hey, I would like to invest in your company. You know, it's, it's small money, 20, 25,000, you know, max 50,000, sure. right? These are early yeah. stage companies. So that's big value for them. And especially if you're a physician totally. and if it is related to your field, that's even better for them, right? And so you start investing. And, and so I do like one investment a year, you know, out of all these companies, mm -hmm. you know, something that, you know, blows my mind and says, wow, the potential here, right? And, and you need to get yeah. that wow factor in. And then yeah. what I did was uh, over the next five, seven years, I started looking at, okay, you know, if I have to start a company, what would I do? 
you know, what are my passions? What are my strengths? Yeah. And so yeah. I found that, you know, I have, I have a daughter with autism and I always thought, you know, why aren't there any, you know, therapies other than behavioral therapy, of course, you know, there's a speech therapy, there's mm -hmm. this occupational therapy, but why aren't there right. any technology, you know, enabled therapies? How can technology help? Mm doing a, a, a therapy for a patient with autism. And so that's when I kind of found this company. And I said, okay, I'm going to take this technology and apply it to autism. And that's what, uh, you know, my startup, which I started uh, last year, is called Circa Therapeutics. And that's where, you know, I'm taking this robotics, virtual reality, and video gaming and putting it together yeah. as a therapeutic system. Uh, for autism. And so I'm really excited about this. You know, I have definite wow. you know, personal stakes in it and personal passion. Um, and so uh, I'm really excited. And, and, and the, you know, later this fourth quarter, we are starting our clinical studies, actually, you know, testing out and, you know, seeing how it works. And wow. that's what I'm most excited so about. So Tell me a little bit more. I I saw I think I saw a video um, of a demo of of yes. a um, of a device, and it looks like it's a it's a it's like a recumbent bicycle that 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 also has a headset. So yeah. what can you can you do you mind just describing a little bit about what what's the um, sure. explain kind of the the therapeutic benefit and and, and of of this. Uh, of this experience. Yeah, I would love to. So, um, as you know, autism is a pretty, um, you know, difficult condition to manage. Uh, you know, number one, you know, they mm -hmm. have communication problems. Number two, they have behavioral yeah. issues. And then they have these sensitivities uh, where they cannot go into a crowd, they cannot go into a classroom, they cannot. So, mm -hmm. their life is very restricted. And you would need yeah. other people to to help them. So what we have found with our daughter was that when we put her into programs where, um, you know, like exercise programs, where there is, you know, pretty intense aerobic exercises, weightlifting, mm -hmm. you know, boxing or things like that, where you have to be, yeah. it's a very strenuous exercise program. We saw improvement in her behavior. She became very mm. calm. All her anxiety anxieties came down. Interesting. She was she became much more tolerable, much more social, and also she her her intellect. You know, we started seeing where she's becoming smart. Well, she appeared more smarter. She is sure. already smart, but we don't know that. Until, Communicating until, may be better until yeah, she communicates yeah. and interacts with other people. And um, we've seen that improvement where she lost a lot of excess weight, um, and uh, we hmm. we were able to uh, taper off or actually stop her anxiety medicines. And so it was wow. so so good that that I started thinking, you know, how can we put this whole program? Of course, it is expensive. You know, you got to have five or six coaches to actually take her and work with her. You know, these are specialized sure. coaches, not sure. regular coaches, and be able to work with her. 
So I was thinking about this for several years, and then when I saw this technology, I said, okay, this may be it. These people have difficulty focusing. And so what if we control the environment through virtual reality goggles? Yeah, yeah. How can we, you know, you know, people with autism, it's hard for them to go out and run or ride a bike or, you know, go out in the, because there has to be somebody else with them, right? So mm-hmm. it is harder for these people to just go out in the community. Sure. So what if we create a robotic device, which is, an exercise machine, which is also a robotic device, place this machine into that virtual environment where when you pedal, when you exercise, you're actually right. in that video game on a vehicle and you are going in different hmm. places, different directions. And whatever happens in that video game, you actually feel it. You can see it in the hmm. VR, you can hear it in the headphones, and you can actually feel it in the machine. For example, yeah. if you go over a bump in the road, you actually right. the machine actually jumps. Feel that bump. <laughs> yeah. If you're going wow. uphill, it'll it'll you know in, in the video game, you actually it becomes harder for you to push. And then if you're yeah. going downhill, you can actually coast. And so that kind of an interactive system we feel mm-hmm. is essential for these people to actually number one. Put them in a, into a physical challenge. You know, you 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 ride this machine for ten minutes and you start sweating. So that's a solid mm. exercise. That's a good thing. And then yeah. the mental exercise, where you know you have these challenging routes. You know, you have to avoid these rocks, or you know, you know, prevent sure. falling off a bridge or something. And so you are put in this sure. deeply immersive and mentally challenging situations. What that does is, you know, our hypothesis is that those kinds of physical and mental challenges put together will create new neural networks, you know, neuroplasticity in the brain. That makes sense. And then that helps them with their behaviors, their focus, their sleep, and all of those other things that are very typical of autism. And so we are very excited about it. That's so exciting. And I can imagine... (laughs) I can imagine there being, I mean, you know, uh, you know, do this for, for years and, and there's probably, um, you know, pretty dramatic, um, impacts on their health and on their mental well being. But, but also I imagine, you know, there's a potential someday to be able to start to taper it off or kind of transition it into more real world things. And, and, uh, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, I'm, I, I know I have family, you know, with autism and, and I know how, um, I, I know how, um, hopeless and, and discouraging it can be. And so that's, that's, that's very encouraging to me to hear that, that, that people like you are working on solutions. Yeah. And I'm excited and we to, are very to see excited. how, how Sirica does. Yeah. Obes- yeah. Obesity is a major problem with autism is that because their world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and then. They're confined to their couch. Yeah. That's it for the rest of their yeah, lives. That makes and sense. That's pretty sad. So, um, so Innovator MD, you, you, when did you start Innovator? It, it sounds like you, you were doing several different, you know, Crest and other innovations where you were. And then at, at what point did, did Innovator MD become a, a thing? So this was, uh, uh, you know, right after I took early retirement from my clinical practice. 
um, mm-hmm. about three and a half years ago is when we started Innovator MD. Although I already had some pre-work done before through my innovation okay. work at, at uh, in a, a Society of Physician Entrepreneurs, you know, the San Francisco Bay Area sure. chapter. Yeah. So I already had built yeah. this ecosystem. Um, and once, once I formed this company and then I kind of formalized the whole process and uh, what we do is we do classes, master classes for, you know, physicians and other healthcare entrepreneurs and, you know, learning all the things that you need to learn for, um, for innovation. Number two, we do, uh, you know, meetups where there's networking, you know, where you can talk with other like-minded people or think people who are doing things. Sure. And then we have conferences. We do two conferences a year where we bring in 50, 60 physician innovators to come and speak about what they're doing and their advice for others to, you know, that who may wow. be looking up. So it's a huge event and it's, it's very exciting uh, uh, experience awesome. for people. And we also, yeah, I was at another co- yeah. conference during your, your last uh, conference. Um, but we were we were speaking with uh, Dr. Uh, Paula Muto uh, recently, yeah. and she was she was she was coming down off of the mountain. She was <laughs> she was very energized and excited about she, her experience at the uh, at the conference. Yeah, she's 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 a great supporter and participant, and she she gets all her physicians to come to the conference, and so that's great. That's great. She's a great uh, she's a, she's an inspiration uh, for us. And the other thing we do is uh, well, we have a uh, an accelerator. That we we started uh, okay. earlier this year, um, it's called uh, in partnership with Founder Institute. Founder Institute is a large uh, nope. accelerator company, and we are building okay. their healthcare vertical. It's a global accelerator, and, hmm. and hundreds of companies apply, and we pick a handful of them and and take them through thirteen, fourteen weeks of uh, uh, an intense uh, education program. And at the end yeah. of that. And these are very early companies, you know, you ju- they just have an idea or uh, this person, you know, this start thinking about this. And then we kind of uh, uh, take them through step by step until they form a company and are ready to get investment, uh, which is a great, uh, great uh, um, service for, for people who are thinking about doing things, but they don't know where to start. And so that is starting right. soon. Um, the, our second cohort uh, is September 25th is the deadline. So people can apply for that. Kind of like a, a Y Combinator, you exactly. know, of, uh, uh, for just healthcare. In a, in, that's just focused. Yeah, that's phenomenal. Just healthcare, yeah. And who's founder? I'm not familiar with founder. Founder Institute um, is uh, it's like an eight-year-old, eight-year-old company, okay. or nine-year-old. Um, they have... They're present in 80, 90 countries. And so the, the hundreds and thousands of entrepreneurs have gone through their system. They have very, uh, uh, very, uh, tested curriculum. Uh, and we are yeah. y- using their curriculum and, and kind of, um, massaging it and changing it to fit healthcare. So it, it becomes, you know, very specialized and we have 60 plus mentors in healthcare. Um, to be able to, wow. you know, so anything you have an idea for, you know, there'll be somebody who has already done something similar or in that field. And so you can get advice from those yeah. people. And yeah, that's so cool. It's, it's, it's I love a great it. Program. Well, what we've, we've got maybe just a couple more minutes here. Um, sure. 
Dr. Chetapali, what what um what are the what are could you give us a little sneak peek of of some of the the technologies or companies or or innovations that you see um in in coming um that that you're most excited about? Sure, sure. Um so my my um my passion or or my skill or my uh specialization is in you know how do you take data from you know what is available and what you can collect right and make right patients lives better you know for example i'll i'll give you an example um you know there's tons and tons of data that is being collected in ehrs what if you take 100 million ehrs and right. find patients exactly like you who have a problem let's say a hundred thousand patients who have the same specific problem that you have, and you know what journey they went through. What if you can track the most successful ones to see mm. what tests they got, what treatments they got, mm. how did they respond? And what if you call that knowledge and say, if you do A, B, and C, your outcomes will be good. So there is a company that is doing that, exactly that. Uh, wow. That is very powerful. Wow. Uh, you, you know, imagine, you know, you have a thing like diabetes, you know, type 2 diabetes. Sure. And there are plus 60 plus nearly 70 different medications that treat diabetes, right? Right. What if you figured out what specific type of patient will get better with Drug A versus B versus C versus yeah, fifty six drug fifty six, and if we can find exactly patients like you, let's say fifty thousand patients that were on drug D that actually got better right. control, and so you don't need to go through the trial and error and all of this. Maybe half of the medicines in that list are totally useless. Wow. Right. Well, can I just I mean, you just answered one of my earlier questions beautifully with this example, because this is the exact this perfectly illustrates in my mind exactly what we're talking about. If, If you are a pharmaceutical company, your incentive is to find the broadest, the largest market out there. Right. And so we have, you know, statins are the biggest you know, one of the biggest drug, you know, most prescribed drugs in the, in the country, biggest market. And, you know, statins have been able to, to fall into this, this really, uh, happy, um, category of, of treating risk factors, you know? So, so they've been able to build an enormous market. You know, if you could treat heart disease or risk factors for heart disease, which which business would you want to be in? Well, of course, I mean, the risk factor group is much, much bigger. Um, and so that's kind of the world we live in, and, and, and pharmaceutical companies have those incentives. But a physician, you know, who's coming at this from a physician standpoint, who's looking at the N of one in front of them and trying to, to, to actually make you know, give them better outcomes – um, they're looking at this thing very, very differently, um, and so wow, what a what an amazing um, you know. I mean, at some level, it's kind of 
it's kind of frustrating to think that this kind of thing doesn't already exist, but right. but very encouraging and the kind of thing I think a physician, of course, would would see this opportunity. Yeah, and uh, you know this, and so imagine that you know if there are ten different statins or whatever number. Yeah, and if you know yeah. exactly yeah. the one that you need to be on, or maybe right. they're all useless for you. You maybe you need something yeah, right. else. And, uh, yeah, maybe the people with the best outcomes addressed it differently. Yeah, differently, right? Or what if, you know, this is, uh, this is going to happen in the future for the pharmaceuticals and the biotechnology companies because the kinds of drugs that, that are going to come in the future are going to be very expensive, very, very, very expensive, yeah. especially the cancer drugs, or the, the immunotherapies, yeah. and, and, the, and the RNA medicines, yeah. and all those things will be, will be very, very expensive. If you have an expensive medicine and you're treating, so the insurance company will say, or the doctor might say, yeah, you know, it's too expensive. I don't think you can afford it. But, you know, the pharma company says, okay, you have to use this medicine for, let's say, problem X, right? Right. But, you know, not what if, what if there is science that says it is not all the Xs, but, but patients with X1 and X5 are the ones that will benefit. Right. And so right. an expensive medicine, if it, is, if it works exactly the way it should, then you have to know which patients it'll work the best and then treat them with that. Right. That way you're not wasting right. this expensive medicine on people that are not working. So the pharma company will have an advantage in saying that, you know, 100% of these X1 you know, type of patients will be benefited. And so it is worth paying, right. whatever, $100,000 a year for this treatment we'll, yeah. you know, because it'll cure them and then so it'll be better. So, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, the 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 I think the FDA has tried to incentivize you know um, companion diagnostics with their you know in this kind of precision medicine thing world that that I think has so much promise, but it but for the same reasons we talked about earlier, there's a there's a there's an interesting downside you know for the pharma companies. Um, the upside if they can if they can release you know. A, phar- a pharmaceutical that has a companion diagnostic, they can they can jump ahead in line exactly. and shave lots and lots of years off of their and and you know billions of dollars potentially off of their um, their timeline for bringing a drug to market. Um, their incentive after they get the drug to market is to go back and and try to figure out who else they can market the drug to um, yep. beyond just the you know. EGFR positive, you know, exactly. or whatever, you know, wh- whatever the the narrow thing is, but um, but this provides a really interesting. You're providing a a, um, a tool for kind of patient advocacy almost to the to the uh, insurance companies who also don't want to pay. You know, they they would rather see. Um, they'd rather find an excuse not to pay. Yeah, um, and so and so the, the patients yeah. who would get benefited will not get benefited because you know they look at the yeah. price tag and say, "Oh no, this is we're not going to pay." But yeah. there may be a small number of patients or a large number of patients where yeah. actually it makes a big difference, and the cost overall right. cost will be lower after treatment because less hospitalization, less surgery, or whatever that may be. Right. 
And so there may be a bigger benefit, but unless you look at it with the outcomes lens, you're not going to know. And with, with the data science part of it, and that is what is very right. exciting for me. Yeah, that's really exciting. Well, there, there's a, a, a it's it's super interesting. There's a ton of different interesting um, rabbit trails we could go on on that <laughs> one. I, I, but that's very exciting, and and I, and I think a perfect way to to sum up, you know, this this conversation and the value of what Innovator MD is doing, what you're doing, Dr. Chetapali, um, to to inspire physicians to get in and make make a healthcare better, uh, be a part of the solution, take, take your, your passion for medicine, for healthcare, um, for healing people and apply that to, uh, to building better, better products, better solutions, um, that, you know, the, you know, the, the, the thing you just described, the, the technology that you just described really will, really will make patients better. will will cut down on costs. Um, you know, it's a, it's a win for, for almost everybody, um, the, the ones that really matter um, in this whole system. So uh, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, we should probably wrap up. We've, we've hit an hour. This has been a ton of fun, Dr. Chetapali. If, if people want to follow you, follow your, your progress with your company, Innovator, and also um, your, your, um, your company uh, that's, that's working on autism. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where, where do we point people to, to just, my, uh, to my LinkedIn, to LinkedIn is the best place where I can connect with people and, okay. And also follow my work. It's Yuli, U-L-I, Chetapali. Um, well, Yuli K. If you've clicked on this episode, you, yeah. yeah. K Chetapali. <laughs> K Chetapali. Is there, is there another imposter <laughs> out there? Okay, good. Good point. <laughs> They're not that But many look for the K to know if, if it doesn't have a K then we might be dealing with a we might be dealing with a a con man. Good. Well, super fun to have you on. When's when's the next Innovator MD event? Uh so we have weekly classes. So so check out innovatormd.com and we have constant okay. monthly meetups and weekly classes on Thursdays, Neat. and uh, the next conference is going to be in January, uh, but we haven't posted Anywhere. it yet. Okay. Well, thanks thanks for making time today to come on the show, and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much, Larson. It's a pleasure to be here. You have just listened to Branch Out, a podcast by Sycamore, hosted by me, Larson Hicks. Please go ahead and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. 